Hey, it's Lacey Broussard, and this is the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast. From sex and motherhood, birth and relationships, communication and intimacy building, and Taoism and Tantra, we explore topics such as self-care, self-pleasure, body image, jadex, the feminine cycles, creativity in business, and modern spirituality. The Multi-Orgasmic Mama is a place to come for true stories and transformational advice on how to be a mama and a multi-orgasmic woman too. Welcome, it's your host Lacey here, and today we're going to be talking about the very exciting topic, orgasms! So the first thing that I want to say about orgasm is that what our current culture thinks orgasm is, is actually very limiting to women's experiences of pleasure and orgasm itself. Why? Well, that's because women's orgasms have not been studied the ways that men's have, so our current cultural understanding of women's pleasure and orgasm is actually mapped to fit the male model, meaning that the way that we think about orgasm is really the way that it happens for men, except that it doesn't for a lot of women. So this leaves us feeling super confused about what it is that we're experiencing. <laughs> And another way that our current cultural understanding of orgasm and women's pleasure is limiting is because we only have a very physiological understanding with focus on like the pelvic floor contractions and the climatic experience of itself, but not so much understanding about women's experiences of pleasure that don't fit a particular physiological model. So for example, if you experience states of bliss or surrender, well, these things can't really be physiologically tested or proven. And a study in 2010 came out and they asked plenty of women to describe their orgasms, and they came up with 27 different adjectives. So it's pretty clear that female orgasm is really a subjective experience because we are all wired differently. All bodies are wired differently. So I want to help you define what orgasm is and what it really means in the first place. And seriously, the best definition that I've ever heard of orgasm came from my Tantra teacher, Layla Martin. And what she does is break it down into three different core components. So it takes all of these core components that can be experienced independently, but if they're experienced independently, then it wouldn't be considered an orgasm unless they were all um, experienced consecutively. So the first component is pleasure in any of its forms. So people can experience pleasure in many different forms. Sometimes pain can be pleasure. The second core component is expansion and a movement of this pleasure in its form, any of its forms. So an expansion of the pleasure that moves. And then the third core component is a mind shift. And most women would consider that mind shift being one of surrender, of going over the edge, you know, of jumping off the cliff, of there's some sort of surrender that has to take place. But there are other sorts of mind shifts that can occur in orgasmic experiences as well. But surrender is just the most common one. 
So with these three core components really understood, a good definition of orgasm could be that it is where pleasure meets a movement of some sort and it creates an alchemy that shifts your mind state. But like I said before, to have this experience, you really have to have all three components interacting consecutively. Otherwise, you could have experienced any of these things independently and you won't have had the experience of having an orgasm. Now, with that said, I want to make it really clear, though, that there are literally infinite types of orgasms a person can have. Uh, so even though I say there's seven types of female orgasms, you'll find other teachers that might say there's eight or six or more or less, it just really depends, but there are actually infinite types of orgasms you can have. It's just that these that I'm teaching you today are the most common and they're the most body physiologically based ones that we can really know anything about. So you can have laughgasms, crygasms, angergasms, freaking joygasms for all I care. Anybody can have any type of orgasm if they experience this pleasurable sensation that expands and moves through the body that causes a mind shift. Let's explore and dive into these seven that I have ready to share with you today. And just always keeping in mind that uh, every body is different. You know, you might not experience three or four of these, but you do experience two or three of them. Uh, or maybe you've just never opened up to the idea of one of, or two of them. Uh, some of them are a little more elusive. We're going to start from the outside and move our way up and in the body. So the first one I want to talk to you about is the clitoral orgasm. So obviously this is the most common type that often produces massive fireworks, like explosive sensations. And for me, it's pretty loud and it's pretty explosive. It's also the most understood because it's been the most studied more than any other kind. And what we know about the clitoris now is that it really is the only organ on a human body that's designed specifically with no other function other than pleasure. And not even the penis gets that title. It has 8,000 nerve endings. So the clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings, whereas men's penises only have about 4,000. <laughs> so it's actually twice as sensitive. And we know now since about 2009 that what we see of the clitoris is only the tip of the iceberg. We know that the clitoris has two bulbs and two legs that extend deep inside the vagina quite some ways that are obviously not visible to the eye. And this extension is what makes it possible to experience other types of orgasm um, inside of the vagina that we'll get to in a minute. But let's talk a little history on the clitoral orgasm for a second though. So when Freud dove deep into female sexuality, he made a little statement that actually pissed off a lot of women. <laughs> he said that clitoral orgasms were for uh, immature females and that deep vaginal orgasms that happened through penetration were more mature orgasms. This totally sparked an uproar with second wave feminist women in the 1970s around how women didn't need men for pleasure because they had clits that didn't require penetration to reach orgasm. And hence, vibrators became super popular. But many women, in finding their liberation of um, orgasmic experiences without needing man, also kind of unconsciously emasculated men in quite 
um, a real way over this truth. And there's nothing wrong with claiming that you don't need a man for sexual fulfillment, but it's never a good idea to make men feel like their penises don't mean anything and that they serve no purpose, which is what I think um, the message that a lot of men got and it was really damaging. Anyway, that's a whole nother topic and a whole nother podcast to talk about. <laughs> but back to clits. Okay, so the first scientist to criticize Freud's theory was Alfred Kenzie. He declared that the clit was the main pleasure center in women because it had so many more nerve endings than in the vagina. And he was right. Since then, uh, there's the Masters and Johnson study, the Sheer Height study that also supported Kinsey's findings. And then another study in 2008 also showed that stimulation of the erectile tissues surrounding the clitoris were necessary to achieve vaginal orgasms. So yeah, Freud was a bit off. Clits are the center of female sexual pleasure for most women, and there's no need to make lesser any type of orgasm over another. So if you really want to explore the whole clit and nothing but the clit, then you gotta make sure you understand what it looks like, how it wraps around your vagina, and explore the different parts of it besides just the outside hood and head. Okay, enough about clitoral orgasms. The second type of orgasm I want to talk about is the G-spot orgasm, which is super emotional. It's watery, it's splashy, it's dense and intense. And when I first read the book Female Ejaculation by, I think his name is Samraj, Pokras or Pokras, I don't know how to pronounce that name, uh, and Jeffrey Taltrees, I totally didn't understand how G-spot orgasm was achievable or ejaculation at that. Like, that was a foreign concept for me. Uh, and what I learned from experimenting with the G-spot and ejaculation is that it might not happen uh, for everyone. Ejaculation might not happen for all bodies. Uh, it's actually happened only a handful of times for me because the anatomy of my body just doesn't really support that urethral sponge filling up with fluid, apparently. Uh, so most women will talk about achieving G-spot orgasm in conjunction with the urge to pee, also. But I've never felt that urge to be in conjunction with G-spot orgasm or ejaculation. And I think that what we're told we should feel often blocks us from having the experiences we want in the first place. The point is you can have G-spot orgasms without ejaculation and ejaculation without the feeling that you're going to need to pee. This just goes to show that female orgasm really is very subjective, different bodies, different experiences. You might be wondering, well, where is the G-spot? What is this? Well, it's probably a lot closer inside of the vagina than you think. If you've never located it, it's usually about one to two centimeters, not inches, inside of the vagina on the anterior wall. So if you were to put your finger up inside of your vagina and uh, go up about one to two centimeters, which is probably where the first uh, knuckle is on your finger, uh, you'll feel probably a little bumpy ridge that might feel like um, a walnut if you were to touch it. And sometimes it is flat on people, so if you don't feel any bumpy ridges, it's still there. You just don't have the bumpy ridges, and that's pretty normal too. Uh, but I think most people have the little bumpy ridges, and it's usually not as far in as people uh, say that it is. I think if you were to go online and look, it's 
they'd probably say like one to two inches, but I find that for most women, it's actually closer uh, to the entrance of the vagina. Okay, so if you want to experience G-spot orgasm, it's really all about finger stimulation at the bumpy ridge for a longer period of time than you might need for a clitoral orgasm, so maybe about 15 to 20 minutes. And you can stimulate it by doing either the come hither motion with your finger or moving the finger up and down the ridge fairly softly. Or if you prefer, maybe you don't have a partner, it's too hard to get your finger in there just right, you can use um, a G-Spot stimulator sex toy. Um, I always recommend non-toxic uh, ones, and some of them I would never put in my body, but uh, ones like the Enjoy Pure Wand is a really good one to get in there and massage uh, without having to use your finger and cramp up your fingers. Another cool thing about the G-Spot is that it can ejaculate and it's not pee. So as I mentioned earlier, maybe not every woman will be able to ejaculate due to her anatomy, or maybe she only does, but it's really infrequent. Uh, but it is possible, and doing 15 to 20 minutes of stimulation may get you there. So my favorite thing about G-Spot orgasms is that they are a beautiful way for a woman to express unwanted emotions through the water element while riding the waves of pleasure at the same time. The important thing to realize here is that the vagina can hold a lot of trauma and stuck emotions. This is why it's so important to teach your partner that if your partner is trying to give you a G-Spot orgasm that it's very common that you might experience some sort of emotion that might not be typical of most sexual activity or that he's not uh, used to. So it might make you cry, it might make you sad, it might make you want to kick and scream. That's because women hold a lot of emotion and stuck stuff <laughs> inside of their vaginas. And since this, it's called the urethral sponge, it literally absorbs um, negative emotion and trauma. So because women hold a lot of tension, stress, and trauma here, it's really important to be able to express it. And this is such a beautiful way to express it through um, ejaculation if that can happen for you. Uh, so G-spot orgasms are perfect for expressing these emotions because they're literally clearing out toxic or negative emotions from the body in a way that makes you come, which is fucking awesome. Yes, please, and thank you. More of that. Number three, <laughs> let's go to deep vaginal A-spot orgasms. So these are probably pretty elusive to most people because only about 25% of women report having orgasms through penetration alone. But personally, these are my favorite. If I had to pick one type of orgasm that was my favorite, this would be it because they are the loudest and most electric. And for me, if you... Um, combine them and bridge them with blended clitoral stimulation. Talk about multiple orgasm central. So yes, they can be really amazing and intense, especially with blended pleasure around the clitoris. So the cool thing about deep vaginal orgasms is that exploring pleasure in the spot can open up a portal to your multi-orgasmic potential because once you get there, you might experience a lot of them in a short amount of time. 
you may have never heard of an A-spot either. So let's talk about that for a second. It doesn't get a lot of attention, probably because not as many women experience orgasm through stimulation here in the first place. But regardless, you have an A-spot and it's located on the anterior and posterior side of the vagina in between the G-spot and the cervix, but just below the cervix. To experience orgasm here, you really need to create an environment of safety and trust with your partner. This is because the cortex, the cortical part of your brain, it has to pretty much go offline completely in order for you to experience orgasm at this depth. And because it's so deep, the primal brain has to be activated, which is what makes it quite wild, primal, and electric. So you must have an environment of safety and to be able to trust your partner being penetrated this deeply. So if you want to experience deep vaginal A-spot orgasm, then your partner needs to have given you full body foreplay because it usually takes women quite a while for the cortical or thinking brain to shut off. If you are thinking about your to-do list instead of enjoying the moment, it's very unlikely you're going to experience an orgasm at all, much less a deep vaginal A-spot orgasm. But once you get to the point where this cortical thinking brain goes offline, your partner really needs to establish a deep emotional and intimate connection with you so you feel like you can truly surrender and to trust and safety. So if you're not feeling emotionally or intimately connected, it might be difficult for you to feel safe surrendering as deeply as you need to in order to experience uh, deep vaginal A-spot orgasms. As with all other orgasms, you really need time, consistency, and rhythm. And this is often something we have to teach men how to do because when we tell them something's working and it's really good, they usually get excited and speed up or go harder or they end up doing something different, which is so fucking annoying, but it's just what they do. <laughs> because uh, these things that they do are like the things we don't want them to do because we told them that what they were doing was working so you don't need to change it so it's really important to communicate to that to your partner that when you say it's good and it's working that that means don't change anything don't change the pace the rhythm or the consistency because this is one of my favorite flavors of orgasms I have two other tips for experiencing your first or more deep vaginal A-spot orgasms. The first one is that maybe try this as a blended orgasm that combines sensations inside the vagina with clitoral stimulation. So the best way you can do this is for the woman to be on top of the man so she control, so she can control uh, the depth and the rhythm of penetration and the right amount of clitoral stimulation. Uh, the second tip that I have for you to achieve these types of orgasms is that you could also try squeezing and releasing or pulsating your pelvic floor muscles around his penis to help move the pleasure up your body. If you're on top, squeezing and releasing your pelvic floor muscles will help move pleasure from your clit to your uh, G-spot to your A-spot, which will help you experience orgasm at this location. So the more that you can squeeze and release and pull the pleasure up, uh, the more you're going to feel in this deep area of the vagina. Which leads us to the fourth type of orgasm with the organ right above the A-spot, the cervix. So cervical orgasms. These are deep oceanic 
orgasms that if they had a color to me, they would be deep midnight blue. They are the deepest, most intense orgasms in my opinion that literally like transport you to another level of consciousness that you probably have never been to if you've never had a cervical orgasm before. So when I talk about that third component of orgasm being about a mind shift, this is the one I'm talking about. Because like this is a total mind shift into surrender. It's absolutely required. Why? Because the cervix is literally the deepest part of your vagina and many women either experience a lot of pain in their cervix or they feel nothing at all. But pleasure is usually not a word that most women use to describe sensations in their cervix. All you have to do is go ask an OBGYN what their take on women's relationships to their cervixes are like and they'll probably tell you that they either have none or that they only associate their cervix with pain. Like, I mean, hello, childbirth, right? The cervix is the knobby nose-like thing that protrudes from your uterus, and it feels like the tip of a nose if you were to reach inside and feel for it. So it's the window that opens and dilates to allow a baby to pass through. Now, <laughs> as a doula, I have a lot to say here. I have pontificated extensively on why women experience so much pain during childbirth. Because it's been a rare event that I've been to a birth where it's actually seemed pleasurable for the woman. And I know it seems counterintuitive to view birth as a pleasurable experience, but really, there is absolutely no scientific, biological, or anatomical reason that it can't be pleasurable. Because the cervix can experience incredible amounts of pleasure once it has been de-armored. Because it's such a deep part of us anatomically speaking, the cervix often holds our deepest fears and wounds and, you know, maybe even ancestral wounding. And de-armoring is a process that you can do to help release the somato-emotional sensations that are held inside of the cervix. So once you can release all the shit stored in there, you should be able to relax into the cervical area and experience like the most powerful oceanic-like mind-altering orgasms you've ever had. And one other thing I want to say about them is that they leave the biggest and longest aftertaste. So if you think of something that leaves an aftertaste in your mouth, it's like that with a cervical orgasm. Like, I'll feel it the next day. <laughs> they tend to linger. It's like getting fucked so hard, like you still feel it a few days later. Let's go back to dearmoring them. You want to start the dearmoring process probably on your own. It's actually easiest to do it on your own because you have more control over uh, the sensations and whether or not you should press harder or lighter. Uh, you can do it with a partner and I'll tell you how to do both. You want to start with a crystal, glass, or stone dildo. Uh, and you'll take the dildo, stick it up there all the way to the cervix, and if you experience pain right off the bat, you're going to press and hold the dildo into the painful areas that you feel along your cervix as you breathe in. And then as you breathe out, you're going to sound and release. So on the exhale, sound the pain, like as if the pain had a voice 
that's what you want to sound, okay? Or if it had a tone, you want to sound it out. If you do this dearmoring process with a lover, they'll need to understand that you're probably going to express a lot of emotion and there may be a lot of tears to work through. Uh, because, like I said, working through such deep fears and pains and maybe even ancestral wounding that gets stored in there, um, or maybe some childbirth trauma too uh, that can definitely get stored in the cervix. Uh, this can bring up a lot for people, obviously. So having someone that can understand that this is uh, a deep experience for you, it's a deep emotional release, uh, you really have to view it like that. So you're really going to need a lover that can support you in that. But it's obviously one of the most exquisite and emotionally connecting things that you can do with a partner. You can also do dearming with your lover's penis. So if you decide to do this, uh, the best position is either from behind or you on top with a horizontal back and forth motion. My favorite way personally to stimulate the cervix is to like literally sit in a squat on top of his penis and move it up and down or to make slow hip circles around his cock. That will get like direct stimulation on my cervix if I get in this position. But since everyone's uterus is tilted a bit differently, some people have um, a tilted uterus and some people it's like directly right in there. It just kind of depends on your anatomy, but you'll just want to find the position where you get the most stimulation and give that a try. Just remembering that dearmoring is pressing into the sensations and holding either with a dildo or his cock into that sensation and on the exhale sounding that out. You might be doing this for 10-15 minutes. That's totally normal and fine. You've got to get, get get past the pain to get to the pleasure. So pain and pleasure are such a fine line here. Uh, but once you get past to the, the pain, the pleasure is like so freaking intense. Opening up the cervix into deep relaxation can take an incredible amount of time, but it may not take as long the more that you work on it. And when you finally get into relaxation and surrender into the sensations, um, of the cervix that might be even a little bit pleasurable, you might find that you expand into pure ecstatic bliss pretty quickly. This type of orgasm is not a peak, but it is an expansion that leads to a complete mind shift into deep oceanic bliss, in my opinion, and it's amazing. One other thing about cervical orgasms that I want to mention is that although they haven't been studied extensively, we do know that an incredible amount of oxytocin, which is the love and bonding hormone, is released in conjunction with cervical stimulation. And I believe that this is why cervical orgasms can literally cause people to have spiritual awakenings and access high vibration states of consciousness like bliss and ecstasy. Because love is one of the highest vibrational states that you can be in. And when you have have this extreme amount of oxytocin flowing through you, it's super easy to tap into these high vibrational states and into even spiritual awakening experiences. So if this is a lot to digest, I get it. I worked in a birth center for two years and even after witnessing tons of births, I was completely terrified of touching my own cervix. 
I finally decided that I wasn't going to live life being completely terrified of a part of my body that birthed two tiny humans for me without even thinking about it. Why didn't I love my cervix? Like, it was so stupid. Uh, I mean, it's like the most sacred place in a woman's body. So I finally broke down after being inspired by the Beautiful Cervix Project. If you can Google that and find it online. And I bought a speculum. And I took out a full-length mirror. I turned on the flashlight on my phone. <laughs> and I put the speculum in there. And I looked at my cervix for the first time. And I cried my eyes out. Oh my god, it was like meeting God. <laughs> like... Um, I don't even know how to describe that experience other than it was extremely profound like, and terrifying at the same time. So I quickly removed the speculum, but before I did, I took a picture. I took a picture of my cervix and I literally made myself look at that picture every single day for seven days straight until I could find love and gratitude for this part of my body. And until it didn't gross me out to look at this picture of my cervix anymore. And eventually it didn't gross me out anymore. And I found that love and gratitude I was wanting to have for it. Then I did the speculum again. I put the speculum in there and I touched it for the first time. And that was like meeting me. Like I had never even met myself. Um, so... I just wanted to share that because making and forming a relationship with this part of my body really was like the turning point for all of the negative body shit we get taught. Like literally after that experience of meeting my cervix for the first time and really like touching it and falling in love with it, it changed everything. Like I never had um, body shame issues after that. The next step in the process of me opening up to cervical orgasm experiences was that once I got familiar with my cervix and started to find gratitude and love for it and met it and figured out what it looked like, uh, then I started doing the de-armoring with the crystal dildo. And then once I worked on that a while by myself, I had my partner give me like an hour-long pussy massage with a really strong emphasis on cervical de-armoring until I cried all the pain out and I finally started experiencing pleasure and then it just built upon that so then there was like way more than pleasure and it turned into these like completely fucking ecstatic blissful orgasmic states and like it was like waves of pleasure would crash into me. Completely exquisite experience. <laughs> it can be intimidating to dive into cervical orgasms at first, but it's totally worth going down that road if you've got the curiosity and the drive for it. I promise that amazing adventures await. Okay, number five. <laughs> You're gonna love this one. Number five is anal orgasms. What, what? Is that even possible? Yes, it is, and they are super primal and raw. Anal play is probably one of the most shamed and hushed sexual acts due to the heavy Judeo-Christian teachings about how anal sex is sinful in the Western world. It's wired hard in our culture that anal is bad and sinful, so a lot of us getting to the point of even thinking about having an orgasm in our anus is about mindset. Guess what? 
Your anus is sacred, just like every other single part of your body. Now for this, I remember the first time that I started working on my relationship with my anus, I had to release intense shame and disgust around this part of my body. So for a week, I worked exclusively on rewiring my brain to begin seeing my anus as just another part of my body instead of something I should be ashamed of touching or something that felt disgusting to the touch. So how I did this was through a guided meditation with uh, the Taoist inner smile practice, where <laughs> the Taoist inner smile practice is where you sit in a uh, meditative position and you literally bring a smile to your face for no reason and it might be a little difficult at first but you just do it and it becomes natural over time and you smile into different parts of your body and that's what I did I smiled into each part you just hold the smile for like 30 to 45 seconds into each part so you bring a really big ridiculous grin into your face and you smile into your uterus you smile into your cervix, smile into your vagina, into your G-spot, into your clitoris, your vulva. And then you smile into your anus because it really is just another part of your body and it's just as sacred and it holds orgasmic potential just as any other orgasmic area that we've talked about today. And after a week of doing this inner smile practice into my fucking anus, I received the transmission of love for my anus and having respect and awe for even this part of my body. <laughs> and I just remember laughing. Like, my inner smile practice would turn into bouts of laughter, and I would just be like, oh my god, my anus is sacred. This is the funniest shit ever. <laughs> But once uh, it became natural, anal play became so much easier and enjoyable. Like, I used to be completely terrified of it. It hurt like hell. Um, like, once I could finally get into it, I would experience this deep heat. Like, this heat would come over me. I'd start literally sweating uh, for no reason. Like, anytime my partner would play with my anus. So, once I got past this mindset shit that really needed to be worked out, uh, anal play became a lot more enjoyable and I didn't have these uh, huge intense experiences of like, oh my god, I need to throw up right now because that like the heat would make me wa almost want to puke. Okay, so I think it's also important to note, <laughs> it's pretty interesting, that 40 to 45 percent of young people have tried anal sex and that's about 10 to 15 percent more than 20 years ago. Yes, anal is on the rise and people seem to either love it or hate it. If you're totally turned off by the thought or you just don't think you'd ever get to the point of experiencing pleasure there, that's okay. Everyone has their preferences and their limits on what they're willing to explore sexually, and for some people, this is their limit. But if you are an erotic explorer like myself, then there are a few things that you can do to open up to the experience of anal orgasm. The first, I want to tell you uh, my experience with this. So after I worked on my mindset piece and changed my beliefs and thoughts about my anus, had a lot of tension to relax into and to work out. And what that looked like was being super turned on, having vaginal sex and an orgasm first, and then playing with the anus using lots of lube, a finger, and then a butt plug, and then a penis. 
there were lots of tears involved and lots of DRing. You basically have to go through the same process as you do for the cervical orgasm as you will want to do for the anal orgasm. The anus, because there's so much disgust and shame that we carry around the anus, uh, you really have to de-armor that shit out, like literally. <laughs> so you're going to breathe into the painful areas and you're going to sound on the exhale. When I did this, I did this with my partner. I never tried this by myself until recently, actually. Uh, my whole anal experience was de-armoring with my partner and fortunately he was like I felt super super safe um, with him holding the space for me to really release these primal noises and for my body to shake like my body would literally just uncontrollably shake uh, just the shame and disgust out of me. Doing this dearmoring process with someone that you really trust or just do it by yourself and you can get the same results but you know, it's up to you. So eventually, after shaking all of the shame and disgust out and getting all of this um, insane stuck uh, tension out of my body, eventually I found exquisite pleasure in this area. How can you get there? Well, here are a few steps to take. Uh, the first one is communication. So you really have to talk about your fears and decide on the process that you want to do to get to this place of being able to experience pleasure here. Do you want to explore solo first or do you want to do it with your partner first? That's probably the first decision I would make about it. And if you're going to do this with a partner, maybe you need to discuss uh, you know, whether or not you want to use condoms, they make finger condoms if you don't feel comfortable touching your partner there. I'll talk about cleanliness in just a second. Uh, but definitely communicate to your partner how you want to explore anal play. Okay, the second uh, thing to get there is to only do this with someone that you completely try. If you have just met somebody and you are not experienced in anal play, then I would not try this with somebody that you have just met uh, because you're not going to be able to relax so trust is really important uh, because this is such a deep primal part of your body you need to have the trust factor in place the third point uh, to get to anal orgasm is to go super super slow <laughs> so maybe consider having vaginal sex before and then begin to play on the outside of the anus and slowly start penetrating with the finger using lots and lots of lube and then maybe introducing the butt plug and then if that feels fine then maybe uh, with a penis the fourth thing to consider is cleanliness. One of the biggest fears with anal play is literally touching shit. <laughs> if that's one of your fears, you can use an enema bulb to clean the anus before, or you can use a finger condom, and of course, for penetration with a penis, a regular condom. You'll also want to make sure that you wash hands or uh, the penis afterwards. And you, it's generally said that you don't want to stick the penis um, inside the vagina after it's been in the anus. That's never a good idea. You want to wash it first. Okay, then number five is to use lots of lube because the anus is not going to get wet by itself. Even if you're super turned on, it's not going to get wet like a vagina would. Got to use the lube, y'all. 
Uh, number six is to relax. You have to get into a really relaxed state to experience um, orgasm here. So your anus is one of the strongest muscles in your body and the sphincter can be super tight to get past. Relaxing, it's really easier said than done, I know, but it can be done. It's key to getting anywhere with anal orgasms though. So you may not be comfortable in the beginning and your whole body might heat up and you might get that feeling like, oh, I have to push this thing out. Uh, that's just your sphincter. Once you get past the sphincter, it will get more comfortable and easier. It might be easiest for you to relax if you are on your back and your partner is playing with you um, while you're on your back. And you can lift your knees to your chest or maybe you can put a pillow under your sacrum so that your butt is lifted just a little bit off of the bed. The seventh point to make about anal play is breath. Breath through intense sensations. Breathing in and out of the mouth, sounding on the exhale. So feel free to get really loud. This is a super primal experience and you'll need to feel free to express yourself even if that includes intense shaking or loud noises because there's so much that we hold, uh, so much tension in this part of our bodies. Especially if you're like a huge control freak. There's <laughs> probably even more than most people. So again, anal sex is super primal and it can be so delicious with the know-how and if you are a pretty type A person with control issues and maybe you're super conservative and uptight, then a good anal fuck is probably just what you need. <laughs> okay, number six. The sixth type of orgasm that we're going to discuss today is the heart and breast orgasm, which is so delicious. It's tingling. Like tingling is the best word that I can use to describe heart and breast orgasms. Tingling, electric, and loving. So I want to tell you my story about how I came to love my breast for a sec before we dive into how heart and breast gasms are even possible. I remember being 12 years old in the bathtub and noticing that I was like my chest was changing. I really was flat chested until I was like 17 so there wasn't much to show for it but I was a competitive gymnast and I remember sitting in that bathtub being like oh my god my life is over. I don't ever want to become a woman. This fucking sucks. Well regardless I got them and I loathed, it, loathed them even more uh, when I quit gymnastics and then I finally started having to wear a bra when I was like 18 because I never really wore one before then. And then when I was 23 I got pregnant and then they got huge and I hated them even more. It was like my milk came in and they went from like a C to a double D overnight and oh my god I wanted to die. Then of course breastfeeding and dry cracked nipples and all. Oh it was so awful. I hated having breast. And then after about six weeks postpartum I breastfed my baby for a year and once I got past six weeks I actually started to like it like the sensations in my breast uh, with that huge oxytocin release when you breastfeed was actually really pleasurable and I would have never admitted or told anyone them because I would have been so ashamed of admitting that but I actually found that breastfeeding was quite pleasurable from that point on and talk about a well-deserved fucking reward for doing all the mama things. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are ashamed of feeling pleasure from breastfeeding, and even I did. But I'm here to tell you that it's all good, mama. If it feels good to you, then enjoy that and stop fucking judging yourself. 
Then I had my second baby. <laughs> and then there was this dread about my breasts and how saggy they were and how the skin wasn't taut and how empty they felt after finishing breastfeeding. And once again, lots of freaking breast love issues. Then... After the second baby, I discovered breast massage, which eventually led to breast love that led to breast orgasms. And what I experienced having had my first heart breast orgasm through doing self-breast massage was this tingling, electric, loving sensation that literally filled up my entire chest and extended out my heart, probably like a good 6 to 12 inches outside of my body. So a breast orgasm is one of the types of orgasms that don't require physical stimulation of any other sexual organ other than the breast and the nipples themselves, which is super cool. But you can include uh, vaginal, vulva, or clitoral stimulation, and it might come on sooner. So there's also a huge link in the Taoist tradition between the breast and heart and the cervix. So when the breast are massaged and touched, the cervix may become more open and able to experience pleasure as well. If you're going for a cervical orgasm, having your man play with your breast can be super helpful. Uh, Alright, the thing about breast pleasure is that it may change with your cycle. I know mine does. You may love them being touched at certain times of the month and they may be super painful to the touch at other times. So just get curious with your body and track the sensations in your breasts and how pleasure in this area changes with your cycle. The best way to stimulate the breast is through breast massage with your favorite skin-friendly oil, where you're gonna use the palm of your hands and you're gonna stroke in a circular motion down on the outside, up on the inside for a few moments, clearing out any stagnant lymph fluid or energy. And then you're gonna switch the direction, massaging up on the inside and down on the outside for a few moments. The second direction is the direction that will probably feel more pleasurable. And once you get this down, you can try an advanced version of breast massage by using the tips of two fingers and then you're gently going to massage your fingers in a circular motion around the nipples, around the areola, so that's the dark part around the nipple, in both directions. Your breasts are highly erogenous zones and you can totally experience orgasms simply by touching them yourself in the most pleasurable way for you or having your partner do it for you. And the best thing about heart and breast orgasms is that they're super heart opening and sweet and they can activate self-love towards your breast if you've really struggled with your relationship to them in the past. This leads us to number seven, the seventh type of female orgasm, which is full body or energy orgasms. These orgasms invoke like this inner stillness and silence of epic proportions while feeling completely consumed with pleasure from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. Full body and energy orgasms happen really only when you're given the space to feel whatever you need to feel and really connect to the sensations in your body. Doing a body meditation where you speak the sensations in your body and the location of each of them so you can drop in deeply into sensation is the best way to open up to this sort of experience. You have to really drop into the body and once you do, 
then you begin to feel into every sensation of the body and express it on the exhale through sound using an open connected breath. The whole time you're doing the body meditation, you're speaking uh, the sensation out loud and the location of that sensation. Do that for five minutes. And then you're gonna begin breathing in and out of the mouth. And then you're going to feel for all the sensations in the body and you're literally going to express them through sound out of your mouth. And this can be totally overwhelming sensations that can send you into orgasmic full body bliss when given no time and no agenda. The key to full body and energy orgasm is to allow anything and everything with a sense of awe and gratitude and wonder. It is seriously all about being present with what is. If you have a partner that can hold space for you in this way or that you can train to hold space in this way, uh, just holding a safe, sacred space for you to feel anything and everything with no time or agenda. These energy and full body orgasms are readily available to any woman that wants to experience it quite easily because it doesn't involve any genital stimulation at all. So I know it sounds a bit mystical, but it's one of those experiences that just has to be watched. Like you just have to experience it or you have to just be the one, you know, that it's happening to firsthand to really understand because it is hard to explain. It's probably my second favorite type of orgasm coming in at a close second to the deep vaginal A-spot orgasms. The more you learn to work with sexual energy, the easier and more tangible it becomes and it's truly an exquisite experience for yourself and your partner. Okay, so that's the last one. <laughs> of course, there are so many other types of orgasms that happen on a more subjective plane, but the ones I've covered today have probably got most of your bases covered. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the seven different types of female orgasms today. And if you have any questions that you want to ask me, I would love if you emailed in to lacy at lacybroussard.com and just... Write me your question and tell me which one of these types of orgasms is your favorite. I'd love to hear from you. All right, ladies. So thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait to be back next week with more for you. Okay, take care.